Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I am joined today, and I am joined, as always, by the one and only Jason Neil Johnston Chaim Avraham <laughs> Witz Yellen. Um, you miss Jason Neil Patrick Harris Chaim. <laughs> That's great, Jason Neil Patrick Harris, Chaim Johnston, Wits Yellen. Oh, I love that. Excellent. Well done. Either you've had that on the chamber and, and you use that quite often, or you're just that good. The way you just said it, I thought you were about to make that joke. Sometimes. And then when you didn't, yeah. I saw an opening for myself to fill. Go easy. Can I tell our dear listeners that you are wearing a DSP KY67 t-shirt today and I bring mention to it because I think I've seen you wear it once in the last four years and it's really striking that you just have letters <laughs> and numbers across your chest as we record this episode. So I bought this shirt from the, I think I bought it from the Rare Bird 101 website mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. David was putting out his American Spirit book. So you can get the American Spirit shirt, you can get the book, and you can get this, you know, DSP 67. A great book. Yes. To be sure. To be sure. Highly recommend it. Um, and of course, DSP KY 67 is wild turkey. And yes, you haven't seen it in a while. It, it was at the bottom of of my shirt drawer and I hadn't done laundry in a while. <laughs> and so I started <laughs> digging. I'm like, oh, there's that shirt. And, and so here we are. <laughs> well, speak, speaking of distant shirts, you saw the photograph from yesterday, but my wife and I went strawberry picking for mm -hmm. our 21st wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And which t-shirt did I pull out from the bottom of my drawer to go strawberry picking with? What it is, what we do, that we do, <laughs> one nation under whiskey. <laughs> Made me think of Dan Grison, right? Dan going back through the early episodes and that <laughs> intro of what it is, what we do, that we do, oh that at that time took on a little life of its own. And yeah, I, I had great fun wearing that t-shirt again yesterday and, uh, and had a blast. My wife and I picked 25 pounds, 50 kilograms for other parts of the world 25 pounds 50 kilograms of strawberries in an hour and a half 12 and a half kilograms 12 and a half kilograms it's nice to know moon, yeah it's five tons i'm sort of smarting at the idea that an american had to convert the the kilos the pounds and kilos it's for not a, it's not two kilograms to the pound no it's 2.2 .2 pounds to the kilogram wow that's wild, isn't it? You, your Coke days, you don't remember this from your cocaine days? I only bought eight balls, so <laughs> I never had to weigh anything. <laughs> Me and John Mulaney. <laughs> oh, man, did you see that special? Holy Baby crap. Baby <laughs> so, so Heidi and I saw it twice live. And then, it's horrific. And then we, we saw it on Netflix when it came out, and about... About 95 to 98% of it, of the Netflix special, was what we saw live. But there was maybe one or two jokes that was, that was new to us. But, man, he is, 
he's remarkable. He's a remarkable was, comedian. I'm actually curious what the timber of the delivery was like when you saw him in smaller clubs compared to this big stage recording. Because he makes a point in the special about mm. talking about being low energy and that's because he's clean and there's nothing coursing through his, his bloodstream <laughs> nowadays. In a smaller venue, yeah. was he a bit lower key or did he get excited in proximity to the audience? What differences did you notice between the club scene and the big stage scene? So when we saw him, it wasn't there weren't any small clubs. At least for this tour, there weren't any small clubs. Ah, we okay. saw him once at Foxwoods Casino here in, in Connecticut. Oh gosh! And uh, and then we saw him at the Yale Bowl, like a huge outside football Holy stadium. Holy macaronis! And then we've seen him on two other tours as well, but I think each time it was it was either at Foxwoods or maybe it was in New Haven at oh, College okay. Street Music. And so you're looking at minimum twelve hundred seats for the gotcha. for those theaters, and then maybe for the Yale Bowl. I want to say that it's maybe 10,000 seats, something like that. Okay. Maybe so it's, a, it's, still, <laughs> it's still a more polished performance that you're seeing it when, was, when you he know, gets to you. So let me, let me tell you about, let me tell you this. As a musician, there's something, and, and, uh, and I would argue, there, and as someone who enjoys live music, there's something about playing the song the way it is on the album and feeling really good about <laughs> that as as a player and then as a as someone who goes to see live music hearing that song as it's played on the album feels great right because you can sing along you know when the changes are they're not mixing it up and i would argue that's exactly what john mulaney did i like the two yeah. times we saw him the delivery was just the same as it was on this special. It didn't make the watching of the special any any less enjoyable. It was it, it's it's just nice to see how professional he is. Like he's just boom 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 on it, and and he knows brilliant. how to deliver. Yeah, brilliant is the word. Yep, there you go. Yeah, I, I think he is one of our our most gifted young comedians, and it would have been a shame to lose him as his friends all decided amongst themselves too. So mm -hmm. I'm glad he's very much with us. Indeed. Now, yes. someone who is not with us, but but is always with us in spirit, is our very own James Foster. Oh man, I thought you were gonna we... read an obituary. Good gosh, okay, good. <laughs> oh, James is doing <laughs> just fine, good. <laughs> it was last time I checked in with him, but it has been a, it's been a minute. Uh, <laughs> So, so James, very, very quick email from James. Very quick. Right. But circling back to our Kurt Maitland episode, where we were talking cocktails mm. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of exploring that world, James wrote in to say, I just discovered a lovely cocktail. One to three, Sinar mm -hmm. <laughs> to Wee Beastie. Oh wow! Wait, okay, wait. Hold on one second. One to three, so it's one part Sinar, yeah, and three parts We Beastie. Yep. And so yep. Sinar yep. is it's a bitter liqueur from from artichokes. Correct. 
Correct. Artichoke is one of, of the 13 components, but the Sinar comes from the Latin for artichoke. And is it is it like a like a Campari, like I've seen it before, and I imagine it's like a Campari style bitter. It's dark though. It's it's a much darker. Yeah, uh, it's more brown. I, I was reddish brown. <laughs> right, right. right. I, you know me. I'm not going to feel comfortable throwing some colors at you. But yes, it is much much darker. <laughs> and it's certainly not you know the neon red of a of a Campari. But but James actually calls this the rusty artichoke. And and, and he says, your last podcast inspired me. I like it, the cocktail, not as sweet as Drambuie when used in a rusty nail. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, because you're you're cutting because a rusty nail is equal parts scotch whiskey and and uh and drambuie usually johnny black and drambuie so you're dealing with a quarter of the ingredients is a product with sugar in it and the rest is just wee beastie does he talk about does he talk about how he got there or why he chose wee beastie or he does not he he just says hey i was inspired and i made a cocktail (laughs) A hundred percent. I've already read all of the words submitted to us by James Wait, Foster. That sounds like a cry for help because there was not nearly enough words coming from James be, Foster. Be careful, be careful, James. James will write us a thesis and then <laughs> we'll be guilty of another four-hour episode. So so I appreciate the two sentences. Easy to, to bring it in brings it back to the Kurt Maitland episode, the idea of cocktails, a one to three part signar to Wee Beastie, anybody out there in, in listening land who wants to have some fun after listening to this episode, throw it together, send in a note, let us know what you think. I may give that a go. Well, I don't have signar. I have to get a bottle of signar. First, I'll try it with my... I- Campari alternative, and then I'll try cider. Right. And I wondered about maybe using Amaro, which I've got in the house and ready to go. I've got Fernet in yes. the house and ready to go. It's just using those three parts we beastie. It's, did, I, might, I might make it smaller measures. Did I get you your bottle of California Fernet or Amaro? I feel as if I finally did that. Fernet, yes, but it was the Amaro you promised me, so I didn't. I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to cast aspersions. I greatly appreciate the fernet that you delivered to me oh, I last give, Thanksgiving. So here's the thing. His fernet is more like an Amaro. So, and that's what you said at yeah, the time. That's yeah, what so, you said. So, so give that a go. Yeah. Gosh, any any excuse to pour Wee Beastie. I actually just recently finished uh, a, the bottle of Wee Beastie that was on my shelf. And uh, did I crack a new one? Nope, but I know where it is in my house <laughs> to be cracked. So it's in the house. The fernet's in the house. The glasses are in the house. I think I see a little rusty, not quite artichoke in my future, which sounds like you should not look it up on Urban Dictionary. Yeah. There are rusty. <laughs> safe search on. Yeah, safe search. Just don't use the word trombone. Don't follow the word rusty. <laughs> With the word trombone, and you're, you're fine. Listen, before we go too far down that path, we have... <laughs> so we are going to go down that path? Is that what you're saying? We have, we have, we have <laughs> a latest update 
in the Ice Cream Man, I don't want to say saga, because that, that makes it sound like something that it's not, but the, the episodic updates surrounding the Ice Cream Man will continue later ah, in today's episode. Good. I'm glad you said later in this episode. I was going to, I was actually going to stop you to say, no, let's, no. let's put that on the tail end. Let's put that after the interview with, again, today's our guests, Holly Sidewand and, and Anthony Levinson. One of the reasons I want to put that email after this is you mentioned pouring things and finishing things. I've actually poured some Kregeliki in honor mm. of of Holly and Anthony because right Ant- Anthony reps Kregeliki and Holly used to rep Kregeliki amongst many other Bacardi brands and so I have poured in their honor a bottle that Holly actually helped us get and that was the Kregeliki 19 year old cask number 129 bottle An amazing whiskey this was my uh this was my whiskey of the year in 2020. So it's nice to ret- nice to have an excuse to return to it. Yeah, and, and Moscow Jim, who we've mentioned previously on on the podcast, who is a a Kregeliki nut. Um, Holly helped me acquire a bottle of that for him, and I gifted it to him mm. as a thank you for his his dear friendship over the years. And he has been thoroughly enjoying it as well. God. My own bottle is safely in storage. And while I drink through these 300 open bottles, I will be excited to get to that Kregeliki when the day comes. In the meantime, All right. I have poured the Kregeliki that you and I talked about on a recent episode of Extra mm. Extra, which is the Bass Armagnac finish on the 13-year-old Kregeliki. And it's... What? Just exceptional. Was it a finish? I can't remember mm-hmm. what we... It was uh-huh. a finish. Did it mm-hmm. say how long it was finished for? No, you asked that question at the time as well. Yeah, I, well, I haven't gotten resolution, yeah. so I'm just going to keep asking it until I'm satisfied, Just Yeah, no, they, they don't give that kind of detail, Joshua. Uh, I'm even reading here, finishing in Bass Armagnac barrels, rounds out, or rounds our Robust Kregeliki, and then it's tasting notes. Baked apples dusted with cinnamon and notes of caramel shortcake, mm. offset by signature, mm. syrupy pineapples and fiery bonfire night aromas, a contradiction in a glass. So, so no, they're not going to give you too many details, but the shortcut version of this is that it's absolutely delicious. Oh, 46%. So this one, the one that I have, says single cask, 55.2%, and it's a refill sherry. And they've got tasting notes as well. You ready for this? It says, oh, fuck. The way it starts off. It says that? It that says, doesn't sound like a thing a distillery would say on a label. It says, oh, fuck, and then comma, smooth mm. with subtle spice, licorice, mm. and ripening pineapple. <sighs> the fuck is that word? <laughs> Cloaked, uh, I think it's cloaked. Cloaked in creamy vanilla. <laughs> cloaked or soaked? No. Coked? Coked up? Coked, coked up. Oh, back to our talk of kilos, Jason. Nice call back there. Let's just call it dunked. 
dunked in creamy vanilla and malty sweetness. It's either cloaked or dunked, and I can't tell which one. <laughs> Is it maybe clanked? Is it clanked in vanilla? I think, yeah, I think it's clanked. Yeah, clanked. It's clanked, yeah. Jason. That's the only, it's the only one that makes sense. <laughs> clanked in vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember when you first tasted that, and we were with Holly in New York when we tasted this. It was our last in-person recording before COVID. Right, right. And when you tasted it, you said smooth. And then we looked at the label, and the label echoed what you'd said. So I know smooth is is a favorite of... No, you're you're looking quizzical here. No, because Jason, I never... No? Am I misremembering? I never use the words... I don't use the word smooth, Jason. Do you know, do you know, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Well, I was looking at the... I wanted to see what the proof was before... I thought even. you were going to say price. Let's see what the price was. Listen, um, we we could, like, don't joke around and, uh, as much... Yeah. We, time time to stop having fun. Yeah, this let, is let's stop having fun. Listen... The fun because, stops here. Because I, I, I want to get to our conversation, was, which is actually a somewhat lengthy conversation with both Holly and Anthony, and I would argue a very enlightening conversation. But before we get to it, I wanted to read the reason for the conversation. So if you'll recall, and if the listeners will recall, we had an episode with Susanna Skyver Barton, and it was, we called it the year in preview. We wanted to kick off the year with Susanna to get an understanding of what she thinks we'll see in the whiskey world for 2023 and beyond. <clears throat> and so Indeed. on the back of that, Holly wrote in. She wrote in because we were talking about DTC or direct to consumer shipping. And as a retail shop owner, she had some things to say. And so she wrote in. So I want to read this email before we go into the conversation just to, to set the table, if you will. So Holly says, uh, hi, Joshua and Jason. I listen to all of your podcast episodes, but when I see Susanna is on, I listen immediately. Everyone has an opinion about direct-to-consumer. It's become such an emotional topic depending on what side you're on. I really like the use of the word emotional right there. As a shop owner, you can see where the emotions have to come in. Um, <laughs> I know for me, it keeps me up riddled with anxiety most nights. Ha, she adds. Anyways, I wanted to add one thing that we have seen over the past two years in retail land. The conversation is typically around distributors fighting against it, but we were shocked to learn a lot of small retailers are fighting against it, it being DTC, at the local and state level. Many independent retailers have lumped DTC into the total wine fight. They aren't wrong. If Tito's can be shipped anywhere, they are in trouble. Um, They'll need to specialize or provide a better experience. I'm not tooting our own horn here at Firstville Spirits, hashtag FFS, uh, but I was shocked to hear this from retailers. The archaic restrictive laws have really limited us as a specialty shop that gets calls and emails daily about shipping our curated bottles. 
Again, I just wanted to throw that out there as something I didn't see coming now that I'm on the ugly, dusty side of retail. I'm so very mm-hmm. hopeful distilleries can get their rights back, and then we can see that trickle down to us in retail, hopefully before I'm in a nursing home. I hope to see you both <laughs> soon, Holly. Yeah, and for the benefit of our listeners, we originally covered that email in the second episode of season seven, the season we're currently in. Mm-hmm. It's the Unmacked Sisters uh, episode. Yep where we, we talk about agriculture and farming and crops in Colorado and the water fight in Colorado. And we, we covered Holly in there. And in s- discussing that email in that episode, we said, we need to have Holly on to discuss this. Oh, yeah. This is too much. This is too big a topic to have an email and then verbal podcast response. Mm-hmm. So so that, that was really the impetus and then, you know, Holly is a dear friend, and so is Anthony Levinson at Roma. And it just seemed like the perfect excuse to get the four of us into a Zoom room together mm-hmm. to sit and chat through this. And it's a thrill spending time with each of them. And I thought the, it's not, I'm going to use the word interview. It wasn't an interview, it was a chat. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. With some, you know, carefully positioned questions and some carefully positioned responses, but it was a chat on wax, and, and I had a blast. And I think the listeners are going to have a blast listening to the state of retail as it is currently in the United States. We have a wonderful reason for talking to two of our personal industry friends today, where Holly, back in the end of February, you sent us a fantastic, timely, useful, meaningful, prescient email. (laughs) And we covered it in the second episode of season seven. And we said then that we would have you on a future episode to discuss your email in further depth and really have you respond to things Joshua and I had said. Now, in putting together that episode, which our listeners are hearing today, we also wanted to bring in our good friend Anthony Levinson from Roma, retailer in New York City who listens but doesn't write in and doesn't email kind words. He does text kind words, however, and those are much, much appreciated, Anthony. Thank you. I'm very dyslexic, so I gotta, I gotta use my words when I can. <laughs> Cheers, mate. So, so before we run wholesale into your email, Holly, I wanted to give each of you a chance to, to talk about what you're doing on a daily basis and what you're seeing in the retail space at present. Because I know it's something Josh and I talk about uh, frequently on the podcast, but you're both on the very cutting edge. So Holly, as the reason for the season, could you tell us about your store and tell us what you're seeing from consumers on a daily basis? 
Sure, and thanks for having me back on too, Joshua and Jason. It's pleasure listen to every Absolute episode pleasure. as quickly as possible and and tell folks about it and miss seeing you both as well. Uh, I was a little bit nervous that Cheers, you agreed. acknowledged my email. To be honest, I I um <laughs> I sent it out of uh, maybe we had been testing new samples that day or something, but. I, of course, had to listen to Susanna's episode. And, you mm-hmm. know, when she was in New York City and I was in New York City with Bacardi, we we both would cross paths all the time. And she's, she's a smart cookie. Mm-hmm. She knows what she's talking about. So I definitely wanted to get her mm-hmm. pulse on the industry. And I was listening in and, you know, sitting in my retail shop. And I thought there's another piece to this puzzle. Um, and it's something that I know way too much about. I am no, I am no lawyer. I am no expert on any of this. Both Anthony and I are just <laughs> visually taking in a lot, uh, and seeing lots of different parts of our industry. Um, but I'll be honest, I, I can get a little bit passionate about it too. Obviously now my business is on the line. So I quickly went back and read my email and I texted Anthony and I said, uh-oh, I don't know exactly what I said. Um, it was okay. I made a joke and put an emoji. So I figured it was, um, it was still okay at the, at the end of the, the message. But It always softens something. Yeah, you just make a joke, throw an emoji, and boom. Yeah. If, if only politicians would learn this, it would be a much simpler yeah, world. Yeah, just crack jokes about you know things happening when you're really old and put a smiley face. Um, so <laughs> right, um, slap an emoji. Yeah, so uh, we're very excited to be here, and also Anthony and I. Um, Maybe we cheated a little bit because we talked yesterday about this episode. So oh my we gosh. Were... You've done more research than Josh and I. <laughs> well, it was more of Anthony and I are actually, uh, we're good friends and we talk a lot about retail. So it's um, actually very fitting mm-hmm. that you you have both of us on. We Every time I'm in New York, I, I catch up with him and uh, not many people understand what we're seeing. So it's great to have, have a friend like Anthony. But um my daily routine is uh, do everything for a small boutique whiskey shop in upstate New York. We'll be about two years old in August, and it's First Fill Spirits is the name. Um, so a nod to Scotch and independent bottlers um, for mm-hmm. First Fill. So if you know, you know, but also uh, you know it has something to do with some sort of uh, distilled spirits or you get the message pretty quickly. But my friend Charles and I opened that shop um, together. We waited quite a while for the liquor license, uh, left our big brand jobs, and knew that there was something mm-hmm. missing in the U.S. market in regards to retail. And that it's been a little flatline. It's been a little lackluster. It's a lot of things in our alcohol industry have been the same for a long time. And we wanted to bring mm-hmm. a new style, a new sort of flair to retail that was not, and this is not me speaking about Roma, but, you know, drab and kind of classic <laughs> dusty cardboard, um, mm-hmm. just volume 
volume driving, maybe have some other good stuff, uh, style liquor store. So it's very focused on education. We have podcasts, you know, lots of education through social media. We do trips. Um, it's basically a a community for whiskey folks and spirit drinkers, not just a retail Mm. shop. Mm hmm. And and you mentioned there's a podcast that you and Charles do as well. Yes. Um, it's, uh, not as good as yours. But we definitely take some cues from you guys. Uh, I, we really. You don't do any research. You make it seven hours long, and yeah, they do. No, I, I understand your struggle because our episodes continue to get longer, and I didn't uh, mm-hmm. see that coming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's called "It's Whiskey FFS," um, an acronym. <laughs> it's. That's I think it's actually. I refuse to swear on the podcast. It's become a little bit of of the joke. So Charles will say it. Someone came into our shop a couple months in, and us being, I guess, I don't know, very. Uh, we didn't know what FFS stood for. We thought, oh, that means first fill spirits. That's what <laughs> FFS means. We had no idea. We were using the hashtag. We were we were like, this is great. It's really fun. It's kind of an alliteration for Spill, FFS. And then someone came in and they were like, that's genius that you used FFS. And we said, oh, thank you so much. And, and he kept saying it. So we Googled it and we said, uh-oh. We didn't realize that um, what FFS uh-huh. meant. Uh-huh. So we decided that uh, both of us, our approach to whiskey is just you know drink it try it try something new enjoy it with friends we don't need to get all worked up over it the hunt is fun but maybe put that on the back burner once in a while just Mm. be open to new things and so that is the the name of our podcast is it's whiskey ffs and uh, we blind taste each other on things and we Mm. get it completely wrong 90 percent of the time um, Heard. So uh-huh. it's, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's talking about kind of what we see on a daily basis, what's hot, you know, what's popular right now, why we are confused that something isn't popular. We talk about a distillery, um, not interviews as such. Uh, that's not our specialty. So. Mm. so so before we ping this over to Anthony, just to put some leaves on those branches, what are you seeing with consumers Right now, as we sit here, May of 2023, what are you seeing day to day, Holly? I guess I what I'm seeing is a little bit probably much different from most retailers because we came in middle of COVID. Um, so you're he- mm-hmm. I hear a lot of retailers talking about, oh, things are are just getting back to normal. You know, it, it couldn't be that rapid of growth <laughs> forever. <laughs> Um, you know, people are back out and spending their money elsewhere and uh, at bars and restaurants, which is great. But it's although it's been a little bit flatline, maybe not a ton of growth um, that apparently most folks are seeing that as getting back to normal, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. We're a little mm-hmm. bit siloed because we are so specific. So, you know, I, we don't sell anything but whiskey and some single cask rums and Calvados and Armagnac and, you know, other brown spirits, as we say. So we are sheltered in, in that we are still reaping the benefits of the education boom in the whiskey world and people yeah. wanting to try new things. Um, 
With that, though, I would say even just from last year, which was our first full year, and people are saying it to us, I think people spent a lot of money um, during COVID <laughs> and over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And people are, I think, getting just a, a little bit, not nervous, but a little bit more hesitant of, instead of buying those two bottles, you know, I have this one, let's just grab that one. It's sticking with the one. Um, and saying, you know, I'll see mm-hmm. if that one's yeah. around next time. Um, so it's for us, sales are still increasing, but it's there's definitely a little bit of um, uh, a cautionary vibe around whether that's on a global scale of just feeling a little bit nervous about yeah. the world, whether that's how they personally spent um, over the past couple of years. Uh, I I told Anthony yesterday, I feel like everyone's a little bit on pause. It's like a take mm-hmm. a few steps, pause, mm-hmm. um, just checking in with themselves a little bit more than they used to. Um, that's that's <laughs> the overall. Uh, and I feel like we have a couch, so we get a lot of um, uh, in-depth chats. It's a bit of a psychology room at the shop, too. So we get to hear... <laughs> the real woes and pains of some people as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I sometimes wonder if people realize that to afford a holiday, you have to stop buying uh, all the booze that you were buying previously, <laughs> right? Like budgets are finite, apparently. <laughs> so what what you're saying is, is sort of what I'm seeing um, across the board. This, and I like the way you put it. It's, we're, we're, where what looks like a, a slowdown to me, some people are saying, oh, things are getting back to normal. So that COVID, the COVID era of just throwing money at every bottle that was released and buying multiples of them has, has sort of gone away and people are going back to somewhat normal buying um, habits. But my question to you is, and my question to you is, because you mentioned Calvados, you mentioned Armagnac, and just, you know, other brown spirits other than whiskey, did you see the, the people who got interested in those alternatives to whiskey spirits, do you see that dropping off more so than, than whiskey now that, pe- now that we've come out of COVID, or do you find that... You've done the education. People have gotten familiar with these alternative spirits. And while things may have sort of plateaued a bit, you're still seeing these other spirits trend in a way that they hadn't before. Uh, Anthony might be a better person to answer that because, to be honest, our selection is... um, well, I mean, it's applicable to single cast nation because all of our rums we've carried years before as well is they're single casks from mostly Scotch bottlers. <laughs> That's an American bottle, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> it's right. not your normal rum <laughs> consumer either. At that point, um, yeah, you know, same with some of the really cool Armagnac, and you know, we have those at Natural Cast Strength and Calvados as well, and so that's not necessarily normal for those categories. Um, I would say that there's still, it's the same sort of, not flat line, but the same curve, mm. I I find, is that 
people are still really interested in it, but it might have to be set aside because they want that whiskey still and they maybe won't splurge on the alternative rum bottle right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's definitely, and we're continuing to push that side of things because I think that that's a really great way to build your palate and interesting a dynamic to add to mm. your shelf as a whiskey drinker. Um, so we're still cruising ahead with that, but we're not selling your normal rum. So I would say it's still in line. People are still interested in it. They're willing to cross over that way, but that probably will be the bottle that gets dropped off. If they have a list of two, three bottles, uh, they're going to yeah. go to the, mm-hmm. the whiskey first. Sure. Great, great, uh, Anthony. C- come on and tell us about Roma. Tell us about what you're seeing, and then and then bring us into this brown spirits variety that you're experiencing as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll try to keep all that in mind. I have plenty of things to say there. <laughs> um, so yeah, Roma. Uh, very, very different. So I'd say we're we're kind of a you know neighborhood uh upper west side um between 95th 96th and amsterdam and in, in new york city and i'd say we're we're kind of a a you know neighborhood store that really wants to be like holly's store in a lot of ways <laughs> uh but but we still sure. carry everything um so it is it is every type of person you could possibly imagine walking through that door from you know the the five dollar vote guy to someone dropping a couple grand on a, a single malt kind of thing. So very interesting, dynamic place to work. Uh, mm. it, it's actually been, Roma Wines has been around for like 40 years or something. Uh, but we were in a okay. very, very small shop across the street from where we are now when uh, it was Henry, who's the father of the current owner, Elliot, was running the place. Uh, mm. And so Elliot took over... Actually, the close the store closed for about five years or so because they were doing renovations on the bottom floor of this building it was in, uh, and then remained, five years, yeah, and remained completely empty for five years. Uh, we could probably do a whole podcast on ridiculous uh, New York things and how insurance works and why it's not necessarily profitable to have something in a building like that for five years. Um, you make as much money just on not having to pay for insurance and like the way, the way things are set up are kind of crazy, but they finally put a grocery store over there. Uh, so it only took five years, but, um, yeah, so I came in about five years ago. So the store was just kind of re ramping back up. Um, Uh, there was, uh, there was still some old stock kicking around, which was fun. Uh, we still have a Hennessy from, God, 20 years ago, like a, a Richard Hennessy that is probably very interesting, um, but still rather expensive. <laughs> there were some old McAllen's kicking around for a while, which I am kicking myself for not buying more of. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, in, interesting place. So when, when I came on board, uh, Elliot's always been more of a whiskey guy, too. Um, and so he really wanted to see it turn into a whiskey shop. Uh, I happen to be walking by my wife and I moved to New York, uh, maybe six months or so before I started, uh, at Roma. And it was literally, I was just working at this miserable little shop near the Empire State Building, which I will not name. Um, but they were charging $70 for Buffalo Trace. And this was like five years ago. 
So it was, yeah, special place. I would walk up to Park Ave because even the discounts he gave me were not good enough to get me to buy anything at that store. (laughs) So needless to say, I was looking uh, and I just popped into Rome on my way to the grocery store and started talking with Elliot and awesome conversation. He had me back and then, yeah, it's been been one of the best jobs I've had, one of the best bosses. Um, But yeah. Nice. Yeah. So very, very eclectic selection, I would say. Like, there was a mm. whiskey section when I started there. I've probably we've probably about tripled it, if not at least doubled it at this point. Uh, much bigger world whiskey section now, much more independently bottled stuff. I don't know that there was much of anything there when I got there. He had Springbank when I came in, which was part of what made me know it was a good store. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't have to do that. But I've I've really focused on I you know whiskey and scotch in particular is my first love. But uh, mezcal is is right behind that. Rum is kind of right behind that. And so those were really uh, more uh, if you build it they will come sections uh, where uh, I just kind okay. of like there's nothing there's nothing in the Upper West Side or at, at least at that time there were not many big stores like you have in in Brooklyn that had that. Not even big stores, but more niche stores uh, that had more interesting stuff like that. So it was like, yeah, let's let's do it, and hopefully people show up. Uh, and so far, they have. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that answered most of the first part of the question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. One of the things I'm I'm curious of from Holiday, <laughs> Holiday, I do apologize, Holly, from Holly's introduction is you've got this real specialization happening. And now here you are, you and Elliot having this fascination for whiskey, but it's Roma wines. And here you are wanting mezcal and rum. How do you go about balancing that? How do you keep all those plates spinning? And do you keep all those plates spinning? Yeah, at at least more than one at a time, but sometimes they fall over and I got to pick them up again for sure. There's a, yeah, yeah, we we actually, we got a new wine buyer, um, Andre, who came from a a shop Ambassador Wines, um, where he was basically running the place. And and yeah, he he was kind of getting ready to retire at a very young age. Um, you know, wife was doing well in her career and they, they just had a baby. So he was just going to be stay at home dad. And I was like, that is a, not a waste of talent. That's a noble calling, certainly to take care of a child. Well said. Uh, right. But <laughs> it, it was like, we could get him in and, and do some part-time stuff, uh, like really clean up our wine program, which had sort of fallen behind the spirits a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's been fantastic for that, but the son of a bitch is eating up my budget now. So I gotta, <laughs> that's that's competing products harder to balance now, certainly. But no, you're right. I mean, there's you know the big difference, and I'm I'm sure Holly has. I'm I'm curious actually if there's certain SKUs that she has that are mainstays that you know we know we can sell Bunahaban twelve like hotcakes kind of thing, and so that that keeps mm-hmm. the lights on. For a store like Roma, it's certainly, you know, the the $10 wines and the cheap vodka certainly go a long way to kind of keep things going. Uh, yeah. I've, I've done yeah, my yeah. level best to try to to build a, a, you know, community and group of people that are kind of after the more interesting stuff. So that is a, a big part of it now. Uh, I always get excited mm-hmm. when I see, uh, you know, one of the store picks, I think it was maybe actually the, the single cast nation store pick that we did that in that first like mm. month or two overtook 
everything else that we were selling and I could go, see, see, we need to do more of this. Uh, <laughs> An excellent Ardmore, to be clear uh, here. Like it, yep. Absolutely magnificent. Still, still Barbecued about, marshmallows. Yep. You're not. Oh, fun, uh, fun weaponized, label. weaponized. Bar- wait, something was weaponized. It was the yeah. weaponized confectioner sugar, I think, was what yeah, I, what I borrowed from, from Jason's yeah, vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, still, still a handful available, too. So there, indeed, yeah. indeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's always a, a tricky thing, I think, and it, it's different every month. Uh, this is certainly a trend that I've seen that's been different. Is you know, a lot of people may not know, and this is different for every state. But the way New York is set up, especially for a lot of the more commercial things, you can buy a case and get a certain price, or you can buy seventy-five up to one hundred and twenty-five cases of certain things and get a much better price. So there's always mm. this game of balancing that, buying deep to make mm. the store money. So there's more money to play with to get fun things versus buying the fun things and then trying not to run out of money, <laughs> you know. So it's a, it's certainly a balancing act, I would say. And it, it really just has to be kind of a month by month thing. Uh, I'm really fortunate that Elliot is just such a good human being and kind of patient man. The guy has four kids. I don't know how he has any patience oh left. Uh, yeah, but part of why I get a lot of freedom, I think, is he just doesn't have time to deal with the stuff uh, as much as he enjoys it. But he's been really patient with me and is just kind of like lets me know when I'm... It's like, all right, you've spent enough money. Please chill out for a second. And other than that, it's like, have fun, keep the store afloat, like that kind of thing. So... Okay. So, so back to Joshua's question for you, Anthony. Then I'm going to put your question, Anthony, to Holly because I'm very curious about the answer. Yeah. Is from from Joshua, where are you seeing people during COVID experiment with other brown spirits? And since kind of this return to quote unquote normal or the beginning of normal, have you seen like Holly those experimental brown spirits get left in the cart or get left on the shelf while people really secure the whiskey that they want? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, certainly, and, and you know, you guys have covered this, that at, at the beginning of COVID, it was everybody freaking out and just making sure they had enough hard liquor stockpiled. Uh, right. So, I mean, my, my numbers for figuring out how many mags of, you know, brand X I'm supposed to buy were completely screwed up for, I mean, they're still messed up, I think, like from COVID, because it was just everybody buying handles of Jim Beam mm. and, and that kind of thing. There there were still mm-hmm. enough people then that were buying some interesting stuff, you know, when COVID hit, uh, you know, you're locked up, it's got to be interesting. But there definitely seemed to be a switch uh, kind of several months in when it seemed like, all right, this this may be longer than a, a month or so of this, where mm-hmm. it was, I think it was almost people's way of going on vacation. Uh, certainly was for me of, you know, being able to find that more weird bottle uh, and try some interesting things. And God knows there wasn't much else to do. Uh, yeah. And then yep. there was, there's definitely a bit of a, a downturn. Um, it was something where I, I remember having the conversation of, you know, how far do we go into the more esoteric stuff when we don't know what the future is going to be. And it it felt to me like it made sense to kind of keep going a a little bit more. One, because a lot of other people were not doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. And also just as, you know, you have to differentiate somehow too, and and people are going to be seeing what's online. So just buying a bottle of something interesting gives you that much more, more presence online. 
Uh, so that's been good. But mm-hmm. at, at this point, there definitely seems to be almost the, the opposite, where there's a slowdown in kind of the bigger bulk stuff, I think. Uh, you know, there, there was a, a brand of um, cognac that we were buying at 125 cases and justifiable. We could get through it in, you know, almost six months. Uh, and wow. we went down to the 35 case deal, which there's a 75 in between. We went all the way down to, oh, wow. to 35, and that's about what we're going through in six months now. Uh, and part of that, I think, you know, prices are going up and people are not making any more money. Yep. So that's certainly yep. a huge piece of it. Uh, I don't know if there's health concerns too there's different things in the news that have been talking about you know surprise surprise alcohol is not actually good for you (laughs) wait a second hold on right i'm sorry to never say that on this podcast sorry to pop your bubble yeah it's like we do this because it's fun not not because it's got vitamin c in it and stuff uh so yeah i mean if you just put those energy c packs then you're good you know what i'm talking about oh yeah i know is there another way to drink whiskey i wasn't okay so but yeah these days i mean i think it's there's still people interested in new things for sure. Uh, I think everything as a whole has slowed down a bit, certainly. Uh, mm. But I, I'm still optimistic because I do still see people seeking out new interesting things. Uh, that That is almost, I wouldn't say saving the business, like the, the cheap red wine and inexpensive vodka is still keeping the majority of the lights on, but it is definitely nice i'll still you know see orders come through i'll see people walk in asking for more specific things uh especially Mm -hmm. after you get through you know january february which is slow anyway um there's still interest there i think it's just people are out of money i probably could have just summed the whole thing up in that (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a joshua well i I have a feeling my, my question is going to lead to a conversation that is may largely be speculative, but 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 maybe I'm wrong. You know, I, I do wonder sorry, can we Jason, put a, you look pin, yeah, can go we, ahead. Yeah. Can we put ahead. a pin in that question and then and circle back? Because I really yes. want just yeah. as we're in this exact moment, Holly, one of the things we even talked about when we covered your email was we talked about Bikram. And it, it's almost Bikram at Norfolk Queen and Spirit. So yeah. I'm saying this because all four of us know Bikram, of course. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And so Bikram seems to have this kind of balance between the Roma model and the um, First Fill Spirits model, yeah. which is he does have some of those kind of crowd-pleasing offerings, but then he has the, the esoteric and the IBs and the special bottles. And so for you, Holly... To Anthony's question here, do you have shelf staples that you know people are looking for week in, week out, mm, that you mm-hmm. can hang your, your orders on? Or are you continually uphill and down dale figuring out what the heck people are going to want from week to week? Yeah, uh, we need to get both of you to the shop. All three of you actually need to 100%. come to the shop. 100%. Yeah. Road trip. Um, yeah. <laughs> For our scotch yeah. selection, 95% of it is IBs. So we don't carry mainstream. And, and I love Bikram. Um, I he's I actually recommend his shop to Agreed. a lot of folks that are driving into the Berkshires and into Boston. And, um, me, me too. And having come from... <laughs> 
retail, um, you know, a small chain in mm-hmm. Massachusetts. Um, mm-hmm. I have, I understand some of the workings of what keeps the lights on and Bikram will talk about this as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a shame. And my parents will tell you that I always just have to be so stubborn with how I think things can be done. Hmm. And (laughs) I've seen the spreadsheets and the balance sheets and wine and wine keeps the lights on. Everyone will tell you that. Obviously, other things, too. The margins are better, way better than spirits. Spirits is extremely competitive. Mm -hmm. It's already very expensive. So you're all working within these tight margins. And we've had other retailers or people that have been in retail come into the shop and ask us if we're doing okay. Like, are you, are you okay? Like, is this going? Is this working? Mm-hmm. And I know, I expect the question because I built this, Charles didn't come from retail, my business partner. And I said, these are the issues that we're going to find. So we have to be creative to make this work. I don't want other products supporting my whiskey fun. This should be sustainable. Mm-hmm. If wine can do it and you can have boutique wine shops and you can have your wine clubs and it's focused on this immersion into a community, I know that we can build mm. that for whiskey and distilled spirits. And it's really more of a European model, um, I say our mm-hmm. shop is. And Bikram obviously is leaning in that direction. You have McCallum and Sons as well in Washington State. Um, we actually communicate uh, with with the owners over there oh, quite yeah. a bit. They're also, yep. they're a little bit more luxury. They probably don't want me saying that, but they're a little bit more of the high end of the mainstream <laughs> brands where we are the niche. Yeah. We're the consumer that is said, oh, I've, I've had Bunahaben 12 and I've had McAllen and Glenlivet and Aberlauer. They've already dabbled in some of the alternative within the mainstream and they, they want mm. the next thing. Um, we're basically, we sell everything that is Anthony and every store's nightmare, which is a hand sell. That's what we focus on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And all of our energy goes into um, website, photos, descriptions, um, basically bringing it to crowds that normally couldn't find a home base for all of these things. Um, yeah. There's not, you can't Google a lot of our bottles and find reviews because 50 bottles yeah. came to the States mm-hmm. and no one's reviewed it yet. And so you're kind of left in the dark. So we've really taken it to that next level. Is it going to work out? Well, of course I think so. Um, But we do need some things to change within our industry. And we're definitely, Charles and I are early adopters of bringing more of a a haven in a community where liquor stores don't just have to carry a, I don't believe they should have to carry a dash of everything just to help pay the bills for what they're really passionate about. Um, and I know that that's how businesses work, but uh, we're, we've actually found a model where we're able to bring what we want to folks and keep the inventory consistently changing. So we don't have any staples. Um, there's no... There's no consistent, oh, you're, we're going to have this in the shop every time. We might have it for a couple months and then it'll something will replace it and maybe we choose to bring it back. But it's mm-hmm. all based off of flavor profile, selection, price, ABV. Um, and I kid you not, we 
McAllen for upstate New York, at least, is still allocated. McAllen 12, Sherry Cask, and Double Oak, which, okay. And we were yeah, forced everywhere. to take some McAllen. And when I say forced, um, we weren't threatened, but we were told, if you don't take it, such and such may happen. <laughs> so it was it was a long story, but we were semi-forced to take it with oh. something else that we wanted. And... Cement shoes were part of the conversation. I hope they weren't part of the they conversation. They were not part of the conversation. Um, okay, good. And right. so we we played that game for a minute, and I cannot sell. We put all of our McCallans into donated gift baskets because huh. it draws Whoa. the name. You, people people recognize it. And then yeah. we put all the the new fun stuff around it. So we put McAllen, I'm the, the expert <laughs> gift basket donation raffle prize lady. You put the McAllen in the middle and then you put all the cool single barrels around it and, and some IBs. And, but on our shelf, we cannot sell. We have it for the correct price. Well, it it's, is sitting there. We have one bottle left. We've had it for a year wow. because no one is wow. coming to our shop for that. They've already had it. Um, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. we cannot sell it. <laughs> no one wants it. So it makes it makes sense. It's it's such a different mentality, but in some ways, that's almost more like it's going to help you get where you're going more. You've kind of burned the ships in in terms of <laughs> you know there there's no going back to the homeland. Like you are staying on this island yeah. and, like, and tr- you know making, trust me, making I, it work. I here. think I said to you like there are some more mainstream brands that I would love to carry that I think are still underrated. Anok, um, sure. Trigalaki. Yeah. But I, yeah. we actually, because of those case volume discounts, and that's always been a part of our industry, and, and volume is king. I mean, you ask any brand as well. You, Joshua and Jason, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I totally understand that, but we, mm-hmm. we cannot compete because we're going to bring in a yeah. case of that yeah. and it will not sell as quickly as some of our other things because of what our model is yeah. and who's coming to our shop. And, you know, we we can't get that intense case discount. So we that's not what we focus on. Um, and it's a shame because there are some things, and I knew that that was going to be the case. I wouldn't even be able to support mm. the brands that I used to work on. Um, yeah. But that's they don't need my help in this capacity. You know, there's other smaller brands that we want to be a launch pad for and a starting, not necessarily a starting ground, but a, a good home for that folks can find it and get the information that they want and and see the passion behind it where those big brands don't need my help selling their bottles. They just don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have distinct follow-up questions, but Joshua was kind enough to put a, a pin in a previous follow-up. So Joshua, I will I will be a good co-host and allow you the floor. Yeah, well now the conversation <laughs> just kind of went in a, in a slightly <laughs> di- different direction. What, what and, a gift. And now and you know, and now I have I do have other questions. But but I but I, I, I will ask this. Um, coming out of COVID well, let me let me say it this way. I've had plenty of conversations where people have have talked about this this downturn that we've all we've all mentioned in in some way, shape, or form. Where 
where people's purchasing habits have have changed for various reasons and and I'm just curious in your conversations with your customers is it is it prices have gone up because they surely they have gone up is it inflation is it uh, job concerns people being forced to go back to the office is it now we can travel again and and all the money we've saved for you know vacations and, and holidays with that we put towards bottles we're now putting towards actual vacations and, and holidays is it just those things or do you think that there's something else going on there that maybe we're not thinking about I, I think for the and this may even be more true for Holly, depending, but I, I, one, I think the people we get to talk to the most, at least I get to talk to the most, are the kind of more the nerds anyway, because they're the ones that are going to spend half an hour talking <laughs> with me about random stuff in the store. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. for most of them, they have the same problem I do, is that they're running out of room. It's the same problem. We've Literally everyone on this call I've talked with this about, yep. you know, uh, yep. <laughs> where you, you stock up during COVID and there's always been this mentality you know, Holly was mentioning buying one bottle instead of two bottles kind of thing. And I think that's where a lot of people are is is there's way more like the part we haven't talked about yet. There's way more options than there ever have been. Mm. I mean, five years ago, there was, you know, way more options than there were five years before that. And at this point, it's mm -hmm. it's like an order of mm -hmm. magnitude. Uh, I, I keep thinking about the Sir Kinder episode where he was talking about uh, collecting minis. And it's like you could actually uh. wrap your arms around that. And it's becoming <laughs> it's becoming harder and harder, partly because of pricing, too, to, to keep up with even any single distillery's uh, limited releases. So I, I think just from a collector standpoint, to be able to wrap your arms around everything is getting more and more difficult. Uh, so some people are, you know, I, I mean, even... Even for you guys, it's like I literally used to buy every single single cast nation that was available. And mm -hmm. it's even that's hard to keep up with now, you know. Um, oh, we've noticed, Anthony. I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, su I'm surprised well, you invited me on this back call. To that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is really an intervention. So what's happened, Anthony? Yeah, <laughs> our kids need schooling. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I think that's the extra piece to it on top of of everything else mm -hmm. that you were just talking about. I don't know if Holly's seeing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I kind of make a joke about it because people tell me that all the time. And I'm like, guess what? I I ran out of room a long time ago, too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I totally get it. But I uh, it's um, I guess I've always with what I buy, I've been always very particular, too. I have very specific flavor profiles that I that I seek and that I'm going after and certain. Mm. So. You know, I guess if you kind of came out of the gate pretty hard and were buying lots of different things during COVID, you might have a little bit of a backlog. Um, I think that's, I don't know, I get a little bit nervous about how much whiskey is being made. I mean, I'm not nervous about it, but um, more so in the American whiskey side where I just, I it is king yeah. and, and bourbon. I guess bourbon keeps our lights on. I didn't even think about that. That's our wine. <laughs> bourbon keeps our that's lights a, that's on. That's a good point. There you go. Um, bourbon is your wine. But yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's just a reason that folks give um, because it's an 
an easy one to just get out of feeling like you should buy something or, you know, an excuse for something that you really want. But we see it with all of the travel that we've started to do now. I mean, my I announced mm. through Rascal and Thorn our uh travel tourism group that's run out of First Fill Spirits now. I announced a Speyside Highland tour for October and it sold out within a couple days. Like we had deposits and mm-hmm. I think people are, the budget has come back. So now there's categories that you mm. are going to allocate your money towards and it's not all going to, you know, online classes and, you know, whiskey education and bottles because that's all... <laughs> We could do, you know, now there's other things yeah. that you can go out and do. So, you know, I I think that that is and there's still price sensitivity to travel and all of those types of trips. But for that sure. to, you know, to get nine people within two to three weeks um, and then have a waiting list. I mean, those are the types of things that that we're seeing where people are wanting to also attach an experience to it now too and not just have uh, and a that's the exact the word yeah. yep the experience yeah. which but it's uh, also it, sorry Antigua. no I, I was just gonna say that's that experience piece is like opens up a whole other thing mm-hmm. which is really that and Holly and I were just talking about this is that's what stores like us I think especially Holly's store with everything they offer is that's what's gonna let you survive um and that's what you're offering beyond what the big box stores are offering or certainly anything you can get online is some sort of experience Mm -hmm. it's honestly probably the biggest reason that i'm still doing this is i just love talking to people when they come in and having like an actual Mm -hmm. conversation and i've worked at you know large well-known stores in the city and you know they're good at what they do and they don't necessarily want their people talking to customers for more than five minutes. Um, five minutes would even be long. So exactly to be exactly. able to come in and actually have that, let, we, we always say, I've heard you guys say it multiple times. It's more about the people than the whiskey. And that's mm-hmm. kind of case in yeah. point for what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. No. And this, yeah, this sure. brings us perfectly back to, to Holly's original email that gave us a reason to get together here which was Joshua and I both made the comment, Holly, that, that in your email where you're, you're talking about concerns and worries and, and the fight with DTC, direct consumer shipping. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and I think we've reached the point in the podcast where we can actually you know, open the, the can oh, of no, DTC. Oh, no, I think Anthony here. and I have to go now. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many toes to step on in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, oh I couldn't I can't hear you anymore, Jason, so I'm just gonna right. I'll just email you. I, yes. <sighs> I will start. Yeah, Hol- strangely, Holly's going through a tunnel. Yeah. Like, I Holly, don't know how that happened. Holly owns her store, but I can I can at least say that my my views reflected here do not necessarily reflect the views of Roma Wines as a whole, <laughs> oh as explained gosh. to me to say by my lawyer. <laughs> wow, it sounds like the concrete shoes threat is going to return yeah, here when we get to DTC. I think that's more of a thing in the Upper West Side uh, than in a than in upstate New York. It goes really nice with a Brazilian necktie as well. The right, I've shoes. heard. Brazilian necktie. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so I don't even want to ask a question. I want you two to talk about what you're so afraid of saying that'll step on toes. Like, what's 
what's happening with DTC from your retailers' perspectives? So that even even within myself, I feel conflicted, right? Because I'm both a a whiskey lover, collector, um, and you know, running the business side of things. Like there's there's kind of some different aspects of that, and there's contradictions within both of those things on both sides. I think so. You know, the the direct to consumer thing. My my first experience with it, really, the the first job I had in the whiskey industry was at a. a small distillery in Pittsburgh called Wiggle and mm-hmm. yeah. part of part of what I had to do I was basically the the front of house manager and you know small distillery you do a little bit of everything so I was you know blending and cleaning up and you know hmm. toilets whatever it was kind of thing <laughs> but <laughs> part of what I got suckered into doing was uh shipping and we were limited to and it changed every week. But when I when I stopped doing that, I think we were limited to shipping only within Pennsylvania and to Washington, D.C. And even within Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. we could only ship to business addresses. So the amount of time you had to do going back and forth with people that didn't understand and why is it like this and I don't know, <laughs> I, you know, none of this makes sense. Uh, from that side, it, it seems really, really ridiculous that we couldn't just ship whiskey to people who wanted whiskey there are you know the the obvious argument is is uh you know oh think of the children and you know they'll they'll be sure. as jason sure. has said before they'll be drunk in the streets you know it's kind of the the old <laughs> if scotland's anything the old to concern go by. right <laughs> but they survive there <laughs> but yeah it's like so especially for for these smaller craft distilleries it makes all the sense in the world that they should be able to do that like there are easier ways for a teenager to get drunk than buying a 60 dollar bottle of rye from a small distillery oh, in, in pennsylvania or, or wherever it is 100%. um I, I you know there's the the people on the retail side who i think are you know have trouble with it necessarily is it it brings the big guys in uh, so if you if you get to direct consumer, that opens up the door for you know I don't necessarily want Amazon shipping whiskey to everybody. Mm. Uh, I think that comes with its own issues, as Holly and I were talking about yesterday. You know, and again as a consumer, like maybe that would be easier. Uh, you know, to just be able to to go online as soon as I hear about it on your podcast. You know, I can look it up and and there it is, and I don't have to check a hundred different little stores. Um, but I don't, you know, that there's, there's just such a bag of worms that comes with that, you know, that, that I don't know that, uh, we just don't know what the, what the consequences are going to be at this point. And you've seen it in so many other industries, mom and pop places Mm. going out of business, that sort of thing. New York is very specific too, because we can, they don't allow us to have, uh, you can't have multiple stores in New York. So we have one total wine. You know, uh, mm. all the big stores can only have one location, kind of thing. And there's, you see, you see all kinds of workarounds for that, certainly. But it's at least some some guardrails in place, I think. Clearly, we could we can splinter in a hundred different directions here. This is yeah. a, a big topic to cover. But one of the things for me is Amazon is is already shipping booze direct to consumers in the United Kingdom, yeah. and we we still have smaller esoteric stores opening up. Yeah. I I also wonder if we're about to see a backlash against online shopping, right? Mm. You know, uh, uh, the Atlantic just did a piece and again on on Amazon where 
there's so much spammy content within Amazon shopping now that it's not entirely clear what you're buying. And Mm. so to listen to to you, Anthony, and and you, Holly, people come to you for an expert opinion. People come to you to look for curation. You know, even for, for Joshua and I with DTC and SCN, you know, on one hand, yeah, we are shipping direct to consumers with a three tier behind the curtain. We also have retail offerings for a reason. And with retail, we need good people like each of you hand selling to good customers as a further chance for someone to learn about us. For us, it's an add on. It's not a subtraction. Hmm. And so for you, Holly, and, and talking about experience and the experience someone gets to your store, I think what you offer would be very hard to replace. I think that's the savvy aspect of such an esoteric experience that you firmly believe will succeed. I think you may have got into this at exactly the right time to be unique. Do you see it that way? Well, Jason's just trying to make me feel better because all of my money is on the line (laughs) with this shop. But um, no, I appreciate that. You're and very you welcome, basically <laughs> hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I think we're a, a little before our time. Obviously, I was hopeful for some changes. Mm. But, and, you know, from my email that I said, you know, I'm in general, I'm, you know, I, of course, do not want children drinking alcohol. I do not want this to just be a free for all. I don't want, you know, everything to. I'm, I'm quite liberal. I want to make sure that everyone, you know, is safe and can live the best life that they can. But we still, a lot of times in this industry, can we treat consumers like we are dumb and that we do not know yes. what we're doing mm-hmm. and that we cannot be trusted. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we are repeating history. And it's, to me, it's, it's um, there's a lot of different facets of it for sure but the email that I sent you originated from distilleries wanting direct to consumer because vineyards Mm -hmm. have it and Mm -hmm. breweries are actually in that fight too but speaking specifically about distilleries and discus and that was all that was actually brought up in the Susanna Skyver Barton episode and I totally want them to get their rights to ship they should just like vineyards you know, mm-hmm. do we yep. still have boutique wine shops? Yeah. Do, are the distributors fine? Are the, <laughs> everyone everyone is okay? Everyone's still making their cut. Everyone's still making their money. It can't be broken out, broken apart immediately. Um, but we already have a model to base it off of, and I don't know why distilled spirits are still. It's viewed as if we're just still so evil, um, and I'm not sure why we're still lumped into that. And I had an amazing conversation out in Denver with um, the folks at Telnua, um, Patrick and Megan, who I've been following for a really long time. Very specific type of product. They're making Irish pot still style whiskey in Denver. They're of Irish heritage. Their stuff's really good. And I went and we spent hours talking about this. And she was explaining to me the discus side of things is that they they can't lobby. They don't have the money to go lobby to change these laws. She was like, I think we can pay for like an hour a month. That's how much they can afford. You think that the distributors <laughs> wow. can beat that? Yes. And they've continued to beat that. But then it gets stopped there like, oh, yeah. distributors are fighting it. And... 
if you go through the Mark Brown emails, and I'm sure that I know he's he's stepping down soon, but I've been on his emails for a very long time. Mm-hmm. The Was he the CEO or president? I forget his title of Sazerac. So big brands, a guy that knows some stuff and knows what's going on before we do, basically. <laughs> if you just search in whatever email inbox you get his emails into, just search Amazon and search Lobby. And it's coming up every month. So hmm. we're, we huh. can't just keep our head in the sand. Like you think the distributors have power? Yeah. I think the tech companies have a little bit even more power to fight this mm-hmm. fight. And so I, I just think it's very naive as re- retailers in New York just went to Albany to fight against DTC for, dis- for distilleries to be able to do it. And... Mm. And I, you know, this is what I wanted to talk to Anthony about. I said, I don't want it to be like Roma, get it together, you know, figure it out, (laughs) you know, but it's, we're going to, it's coming and we're going to have to adapt. And how do you, we have other industries to look to. You have to specialize customer service, experience, attention to detail, you know, a website, you know, things I, it's, um, to me, it's like banging my head on the table a little bit um, of it's going to happen and consumers don't know why it isn't happening, which even more reason why if we let other people get to it first, we will miss out. Um, and I just think retailers get left out of the conversation because we can be stuck in the past as well. But, um, you know, that that trickle down effect to retailers you know, say hopefully in the next couple of years, distilleries will get some rights. What is retailer? Is that 10, 15 years? Because that's how long it took for wine. And I think that we're a little mm. bit more progressive as that, than that as, a, as an industry. Um, so, yeah, I obviously am very passionate about it. I didn't plan on being passionate about it, but I've had to learn a lot as a small business owner and do I want Amazon to start shipping spirits? No. Do I use Amazon for things when it's last minute? Yes. Are they going to overtake if they can ship some of your staple brands that you just throw in with your dog treats and your laundry detergent that you forgot? Yeah, they're definitely going to take away from that, but you can plan for that and and bring something new to the table that you can Amazon cannot offer. Um, so 100%. that's me, I guess, kind of boasting about first fill spirits. But we obviously would feel the hit with that, too. But I and I'm not trying to go against my own industry and in retail, but I, I think we can do much better and we need to advocate for the future or else a lot of stores are going to be blindsided and going to get hit quick if these companies come in. Yeah. There's a... So, go ahead. No, you go uh, ahead. I okay. think I'll remember it. Go I'll go ahead. ahead. Uh, so, no, I, I think there's a there's an interesting analogy in there almost to what, it, you know, the idea of putting your head in the sand and just hoping that <laughs> the whole thing goes away it, and, and trying to change laws that maybe don't make sense just to protect, uh, you know, an industry that has sort of been established and doing certain things a certain way for a while. It almost reminds me of Mm. like trying to, you know, pass certain legislation or do things politically to try to keep something like coal around. 
where mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily make sense. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if you just look at it, you know, without being involved and, you know, it's your business, it's my business, whatever. It's like, no, clearly things are going in this direction. And if we just try to, like, you know, put arbitrary laws in place or what have you to try to keep things going the same way, like, that's only going to last for so long. Mm-hmm. But it's probably not yep. good for the greater good. Yep. Yep. I guess my... When I... Oh, fucking hell. Sorry, Holly. I know we're not meant to swear. I just we, don't we, swear. We can. It, she it sounds it. weird when I say it. So you can say it. <laughs> so it, it, sound, it sounds to me that we're talking about a, a multitude of different things under this larger umbrella of DTC. When I think of DTC, I think of the producer being able to produce a product, bottle it, and ship it direct to that consumer. However, when we talk about Amazon being able to sell liquor, they're not producing it, right? So they they could set up a distribution model which looks very similar to to single cast nation where they're, you know, they're going through import distributor and then they become the retailer or they can get their own import license and distribute in certain states and then be the retailer and, and then they, they get to sort of um, own some of those levels and and bring prices down quite a lot that would negatively affect a good number of shops, albeit, and, and, and I want to be careful when I say this, like, Holly, I, I, I would imagine the way your shop is run and the way it's modeled, you would be less at risk than the shop that probably sells more beef jerky and, and minis and just Sobieski vodka, right? There's there's a difference between a beef jerky liquor store and a Firstville Spirits or maybe a, a aroma where, yes, you have some staples, but you have key stuff where, where people, like you had said, you know, Anthony, someone will come in and spend $5 on on X, but then another person comes in and spends a couple thousand on some specialty single malt. Yeah. So I guess my question here is the Amazon issue that you're talking about, is that really DTC and a fear of DTC or is that a new um, liquor distribution model that just undercuts mm-hmm. everybody? while adhering to some some form of three-tiered system. Right. Yeah, and I think we don't know what they're advocating for either. I mean, it just says that they are proposing mm. things. So I don't know what they're actually after. Um, obviously, whatever makes them the most money is what they're after, and that will come to light. But um, for me why that's important to watch is because that will open the gates, which it will affect places. It'll affect us too, probably for some products, but it will affect every single Mm. liquor store um, in a negative way, for sure. Just like Mm. how malls Mm. are gone. Mm. Like it's, it will, if it were to happen exactly the same way, it would. Um, But it also opens up now more of what I view as a fair playing field because 
depending on where you choose to open up your state, you are or open up your store in which state, you are extremely limited by all of these antiquated patchwork band-aid rules. And if Amazon does come in and says, this is ridiculous, UPS and FedEx want the business, they can take an ID, they have the protocols to do it. You know, if we can get over those Mm -hmm. hurdles, which we have technology, I think we can do it. Then it will open up the gates for potentially, hopefully, distilleries. And also, if they are a retailer and they are allowed to do it, then other retailers will be allowed to do it. And for me, it's all about just, and this was another piece to it with that I spoke with Anthony about. And there are loopholes in the system. And that's totally, there's loopholes in everything. That's business 101. Sure. There's gray areas. Um but it's not an even playing field. It's not actually competitive. You know, do I, I really actually thought about opening a retail shop in Washington, DC, just so that I could gain access mm-hmm. to those loopholes. It's not a fair fight. Yeah. Sure. And you know, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, sh- you know, shut them down, DC, we need to crush them, regulate them. <laughs> I'm saying, no, that's genius. A, I just don't want to live in Washington, D.C. It's it's not where I choose to want to live my life. You can't ski in Washington, D.C. So that's not where I want to be. Yeah, not, not well. <laughs> but it, it exists. And that is probably what's actually hurting our business the most. It's not anything else. And I just want it to be a, a fair fight. You know, if if... If a couple people can do it for these certain reasons, that's fine. We can let them keep doing it, but let's actually make it a competitive marketplace where people can show what they have. You know, is your curation better? Is your attention to detail better? Is Are your shipping options better? Are, you know, for me, it's more of we know that it's happening and it's on the horizon. And let's see, let's actually make it an, an even playing field. Um so that's that's where I'm at with it. Do I I think it, Amazon? There's definitely going to be some negative, for sure. But it doesn't mean that mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, and I think mm-hmm. they have the tech companies, Walmart's in a lot of these emails as well. Um, tech yep. companies sure. and you know they they have the power to do it, and we've watched it happen in other industries. And so my only thing is that. We as a shop recognized that when we opened and we were setting ourselves up to have a fantastic website, fantastic attention to detail and and being prepared for that. But I think a lot of retailers some are just being a little bit naive and that if it's not Amazon, something's something has to happen um, or something is going to happen because it is a lot of Band-Aid sure. patchwork right now. Um so that's it's it's all moving every day. It's a moving target. So I we don't have Anthony. We don't have the answers. I don't know what the right answer is to solve all of it and make everyone happy or feel like they have a fair fight. Um, I can just speak to just history, and I think we should all acknowledge it a little bit more. Of you know, so that we're prepared for some of the things that might be in the next five to fifteen years. Yeah, Anthony. I, I was gonna say there's there's a lot of 
actually, as we're saying, a lot, lot more toes to step on here. Um, with with opening up the the whole Amazon pieces of it, if you're shipping across the country too, the other thing that's weird and kind of difficult for New York is our taxes on alcohol are pretty high. Uh, not the highest in the country, but there's often times where mm. I, I'll be looking for something for myself and be like, oh, cool. And, you know, I work at a store so I can get it at wholesale or what have you. And I look at K&L prices in California and their shelf price is basically the same as my cost. So yeah. th- it yeah. gets even more complicated, I think, if you're shipping across uh, state lines or that sort of thing. I know you've got... Um, something like well, wine.com, where I believe they have a warehouse set up in each state that they're operating in, so prices are different mm-hmm. everywhere they are. So maybe that's how Amazon would have to do it. Um, I don't think they'd have a problem doing that. <laughs> like That's not even a, a speed bump for them mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but it does kind of open up more complications once you start shipping, and you've got... I have still not been able to figure out a rhyme or reason as to how things are priced and how things are taxed because there's some things that seem like, oh, they're they're the same price here as they are on the other side of the country. There's some things that are even slightly cheaper in New York. Maybe a, one of my favorite uh, Mezcal's Resperol. They don't work with a distributor in New York. They go through Park Street, so there's very little overhead, so we actually get better prices mm-hmm. on that than they do in California, mm-hmm. but that's maybe the only <laughs> thing. Uh, it's good to get one win. Yeah, we got one. We got <laughs> it's a damn good mezcal, so I'm happy for that. But but yeah, it just kind of opens this whole other thing of, of of how do you you know deal with different states having different rules about how they're taxing everything too. Well, and one of the things when yeah. you'd mentioned wiggle earlier, mm. like Josh and I had done the extra extra episode about an attempt to change some laws for consumers in the state of Pennsylvania. And one of the lines in there was like, yes, it's obviously built on the back of, of prohibition laws. But one of the statements was the people in charge of those laws didn't want to make it easy for consumers to buy alcohol. Right. If you're starting from that position, you're not going to have a good system. If you then allow that system to live in perpetuity, how the hell do you bootstrap or, you know, how do you yeah. attach a 2023 mentality, strategy, reality to something that happened you know, nearly 100 years ago? Yeah. Like, it, it's deeply flawed. And then you introduce individual state taxis to the mix. And we've got a deep-seated problem there as well. So No, I, th- I mean, I think it's... Complicated. Yeah, and that I mean that's hitting the nail on the head too. Where it's you think of like where is all of this nuisance coming from, and it's coming from old blue laws mm-hmm. that don't make any sense anymore. I mean Pennsylvania is right. an amazing example too, and they they've gotten a lot better. But I, you know I spent I grew up in Philadelphia. I spent fifteen years in Pittsburgh before moving to New York, and coming to New York in terms of alcohol industry, it was like stepping into Technicolor. Uh, just the options <laughs> that we had, you know, it, it's just crazy. I mean, so for those who don't know, Pennsylvania is run entirely by the state store system. So every single store, the only way to get hard alcohol in Pennsylvania, theoretically, there's a couple mail-in ways now, but um, for the most part, you just have to go through the PLCB. Uh, and that kind of an interesting, I remember when COVID hit, uh, 
you know, which was shortly, just a year or two after I moved to New York, uh, I remember realizing like Pennsylvania shut down every single liquor store. Wiggle had to to close during COVID. Uh, in New oh, York, yeah. in New York, I was considered an essential employee working at the liquor store. Like <laughs> I got my I got my vaccines before my elderly parents did in Pennsylvania. So there's there's a lot of very old thinking there. I think about a lot of this. Um, but that comes and it's funny to, too. But at the same to commodities though yeah. too, because that is yep. competition. If if you're, we all know our different, you know tax systems in Massachusetts. A lot of people will cross over and buy things in Massachusetts, which I guess, you know, technically is illegal because you're crossing state lines. But yeah. And people will comment about that all the time. Oh, New York, 7%, like, you know, Massachusetts. But if you, if you're talking about a handle of Tito's, you know, it's like a gas price. I mean, if sure, maybe I'll drive down the road Mm. or across the border and I'll save, you know, that those $5. But if you have something that a consumer really wants, that they maybe missed opportunity or didn't have access to, or you know it's only in in specialty locations, they're willing to pay that tax. We get phone calls every day for a bottle, and this I'm serious every day from people out of state that are like, "Well, we'll pay we'll pay your taxes and we'll pay our taxes." Like, what do we need mm-hmm. to do? So, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying that's the case for, I'm not talking, wow. you know, it's not everyone is going to be okay with that. Some people are always going to be a little bit more price sensitive. These, a lot of times these are on more expensive sure. bottles too, yeah. but it's, yeah. um, you know, I think a lot of it's psychology as well. I mean, I don't have the answer. I think our, <laughs> our state dynamic and federal has always been a little wishy-washy um, because we still think that mm-hmm. people travel by horse and buggy, and we don't. Yeah. <laughs> you're talking about my neighbors right now, Holly. I know, you're another <laughs> my state-controlled uh, ABC. They want to make you think it's a, a child's song just going to your liquor stores. It's simple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listen, we could, we could keep going. This seems like a, a natural leave it hanging, watch this space kind of spot. But it's it's been brilliant talking to the two of you. It's been wonderful talking about current scenarios and even with an eye on future scenarios. Uh, we're going to keep fighting the fight. Mm-hmm. Good luck to both of you. Roma, <laughs> FFS, yeah, FFS, which just makes um, me so happy. Maybe that will First make everyone spirits. slow down and relax a little bit about their, their whiskey journey. <laughs> and hopefully I wasn't, you know, I, I was nervous about this podcast. Hopefully I don't get in too much trouble with Charles, my business partner. He's going to say I was a little bit brash, but someone has to blaze the trail. Um, But it's a, it is a, my takeaway, my hopeful takeaway was that, you know, retail isn't boring. A lot of times people are like, oh, you know, liquor Mm. store. Um, We're not that boring, right, Anthony? I think we're pretty fun. Um, We're pretty cool. We, you know, we don't sling cool cocktails and, necessarily run the best social media accounts, but we're still pretty fun. Um, and there's, I think, a lot that we can still do to make our side of the industry even more interesting and um, more experiential to, to people to find more joy in it. And it's not just... Sure. Um, yeah. And if anyone's interested in learning 
I follow, and I actually studied abroad with him, um, which is, I think it was meant to be, but there's a guy named Jarrett. It's not necessarily an organization that I would always follow, but it's called R Street, and they are um, a policy think tank in D.C., and he writes about all of this Hmm. consistently, about state laws specifically. Um, He's written about Pennsylvania quite a bit, about how um, (laughs) antiquated uh, alcohol policy is. And um, it is, Mm -hmm. they're really interesting. Um, And he talks about COVID and its effect on bringing some of that to light and how some people chose not to see the light. And it's, if you're interested in following all of that, he's he's writing about it. Um, So, that's no one's going to read it, but Anthony and I. What is it again? Um, Can, it's called R Street. You, it's a. It's one of. As in the letter R or R, our, um, just like the letter O U R. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, they write about a lot of things that I maybe necessarily wouldn't follow, but I think some of their articles on in regards to alcohol policy are bringing to light everything that we're talking about. Where just kind of showing it on a much broader vision of um, a lot of the data is old, a lot of it is not true anymore, and just trying to look at the big picture mm-hmm. of 2023 and and where we're at. Well, Holly, I don't think you've been brash today. I think you have spoken honestly. <laughs> yeah. And the same is true for you, Anthony. Appreciate it. Joshua has, has got the occasional question in sideways. But it, it's been brilliant. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thanks to you both. <laughs> wow. Until next time. Thanks. No, this has been fantastic. I kept thinking, I'm like, what do I need to do in my career to get on this show? Because I can't do it from retail. So thank you for actually doing a retail episode. And now I don't have to do anything more with my career. It's interesting listening back to that conversation with, with the four of us. Mm and how careful yet passionate Anthony and Holly, Holly and Anthony are about this. There's, there's a way in which they want to be speaking about the issue of DTC. Mm-hmm. There's also careful stepping given the world they currently inhabit. So they don't want to piss off any partners but sure. at the same time, they want to advocate for the future. Yeah. And I, I think I think they're towing a, a very careful line there, but it, it's telling and listening to them how careful they need to be as 2023 becomes 2028, becomes 2033. And as Holly had joked in her email, does this get resolved before she's in the nursing home? And, and she's a young woman. There's a long yeah. time. Yeah. But it might take a while. It, it, it's an unusual position to be in. I mean, there there is that element of being careful because, you know, your your suppliers are your livelihood. <laughs> mm-hmm. However, you're as a shop owner, you're dealing with laws that were written a hundred years ago, that probably have a few band aids and and you know stitches and sutures on on top of that. Um, and in none of these, none of these weird laws, be they in New York or, or you know, any of the other 49 states, <laughs> necessarily have anything 
to do with protection of the retailer or the consumer for that matter mm-hmm. it's it's more mm-hmm. it, you know it, it it's different protections in place and you know i i find myself often tiptoeing around it because you I'm, I'm tentative even even talking about it here. You, you know, <laughs> see, it's, see, it's the same deal, right? <laughs> be, well, right. I mean, it's. I, I think one of the comparisons here is big oil, right? We, oh, right, we need to right. power the world with oil. Meanwhile, powering the world with oil and other fossil fuel, fuels continues to destroy our planet. Now, you can go ahead and lobby for the use of renewable energy and solar and wind and, and, and water and, and, and all of these other things. Meanwhile, there are loads of jobs at stake for those that are in the fossil fuel sector. And so mm-hmm. it's a tricky thing to be getting out of fossil, fossil and getting into renewables because livelihoods are at stake and blah 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 and so on and so forth and so i think there's some connections here right you can't just you know nothing is 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 bumper sticker easy right you can't just make wholesale changes quickly right these these laws are 100 years old so we're not going to change them anytime soon but we're going to get there and covid kind of helped us get over some things in some states and well as i sit here in virginia in the interview, in the chat, Anthony had brought up coal as an example, yeah, right? Another yeah. fossil fuel. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm literally 10 minutes from the West Virginia border. Mm. And coal and coal production remains a big deal in the state that I share a border with. Yeah. And when you mention moving on from coal, a lot of people in West Virginia get very upset. Yeah. The problem is the world has already started moving on from coal. So people of West Virginia need to start looking at the next thing that they can start to generate revenue from and not look backwards to the system that they did have in place. I think that's the looking forward is if distributors are really kicking up a fuss about DTC, yeah, you can spend your millions of dollars stopping it or... You can look to what the next big thing is for you. And we know in the US, they're spending billions with a B of dollars on cannabis and cannabis product distribution. And that being a gigantic cash cow going forward. So... I think think what we need is we need a a coalition of of coal miners' daughters to to help turn Ah, the ship around. Sissy Spacek can lead that. Yeah. There you go. Yep. There is absolutely no easy transition onto me sharing the web addresses for these two stores <laughs> that we discussed today, but I'm going to do it anyway. And after we got done, uh, Holly had reached out and said, look, and, and she had actually said more about it in the interview than I think she remembered saying, but the website is their lifeline. The people going there, looking at products, getting to see what's new. And she had said, could you do me a solid and share the the URL? And so, absolutely. So you'll find Holly and Charles, who were discussed uh, in the interview, at firstfillspirits.com. Mm-hmm. And you will find Anthony Levinson's selections at Roma, that's R-O-M-A, 
romawinesnyc.com. Yeah, just really quickly to add on to that, I think there are still some um, Single Cast Nation Ardmores bottled for Roma on on the shelf. So uh, if that's something that interests you, reach out to Anthony, check out their website. It's a killer, absolutely killer Ardmore bottled for Roma. So we're really excited about that, that partnership. any significant news to be sharing at the moment. So I thought now would be an excellent time to to do two things. One, to let our listeners and you, Jason, know that we got a response. You may remember in our last episode, we, uh, we, we read an email from Angus Smith, a.k.a. Gus, a.k.a. Juss. And Gus Juss... Oh, that's his name now. Gus Just. Bring out the Gus Just. Make a new plan, Stan. All right. Um, wrote us in, but but seriously, Jason, dude wrote a tome. Like you, you need like a full Torah uh-huh. scroll to uh-huh. read that. So we're we're not going to read that one in this episode just yet. Uh, or at all. We'll read it at a future date. Um, but you had mentioned there was Another chapter in a seemingly unending ice cream man story. (laughs) So when you last joined us, the ice cream man had met a Seattle-based SCN member at Tobermory. Mm -hmm. And they had a little nod and a wink and discussed all nation business in person. And then... That nation member out of Seattle wrote in to continue the story. <laughs> so let us continue. Amazing. <laughs> Greetings, single cask nation cast and crew. Having just returned from a glorious two week trip to Scotland with our little whiskey club, where we tasted many lovely whiskies and chatted with many lovely people. I found myself behind on my podcast listening. What a beautiful introduction. (laughs) It just sets the scene so perfectly. One nation under whiskey was, as always, first up. I'm driving down the road enjoying your usual opening banter when it comes time to read an email. It's another in a series from Chris the Ice Cream Man Hagen. And he's writing about his recent trip to Scotland and the story of meeting some guys from a Seattle whiskey club at the Tobermory Distillery and the whole SCN thing. Great small world story. Mm -hmm. However, the world is about to shrink a bit more as he didn't tell you the rest of the story. I'm the guy he was talking to, and I had a story to tell him. 
I told him that I had spent an evening with you two guys and a bunch of other great whiskey people uh-huh. at Elijah's 30th birthday party. My name is Craig from Barley Stills Mash and Ton, parentheses, the best named whiskey club in the world, uh-huh. period. Agreed. I showed him our group photo and we spent the next few minutes chatting about all things SCN. After the tasting, we exchanged some info so we can maybe get together in Chicago in the future. I thought that you might want to hear how the circle had been closed. Small world indeed. Cheers, Craig Wadsworth, Barley, Stills, Mash and Ton. And scene. It's the circle of life. Wow, that is... So I, I remember meeting him. He was such a lovely guy. Mm-hmm. Just the other day, mm-hmm. I had grabbed the glass that he that he gave me. Yes, with the barley yes. stills mash and ton, and I I had a kill home in hankering, and I think I got you a bottle. It was a ten year old single like bourbon. Dear, I never yeah. thought it would happen to me, but one day I had a kill home in hankering. Like ooh, suits you, sir. <laughs> Well, some people have a, a hankering for a hunk of cheese. <laughs> but I think you don't know what that means, Jason. Only Americans have no idea of a what certain you're talking age. About. Got a hankering for a hunk of cheese. I forget how it goes. Anyways, part of, uh, it was part of Saturday morning cartoons. Anyway, I had, yeah, it was a cheese wheel with a cowboy hat trying to just like big dairy trying to get you to eat cheese. Anyway, I had a hankering for hunk of cheese. I had a hankering for Kilhoman and the bottle that I was going to grab was the 13 year old uh, single bourbon barrel selected by Billy Abbott for the whiskey exchange because that is mm-hmm. I think that's the best single bourbon barrel ever it's a cracker by Kilhoman it's a cracker yep. uh, but I couldn't find that uh, at least not at the ready and so what I did was I poured a 10 year old <laughs> single bourbon barrel bottled for Canterbury Liquors here in Connecticut for Irene Tan. And I think I got you. She mm-hmm. did a yep. she did a Kilhoman and an M and H. Yep. And uh yeah, that that is I don't know if you got yeah. me both of those. I thought you maybe got me one of those two. No, I got you one of each. Because I got I got two bottles of each. Oh, one okay. for you and one for me. Oh, so maybe okay. I cool. just didn't cool, cool. I think I gave you both. Anyway. Yeah. I when I was looking for glasses that was the glass that I went for. Barley Stills Mash and Ton. Cracking. Yeah, really, really cracking. The photo that's included is Craig, Elijah, Jess, you, and me. And uh, so much, so well, much I'll, fun. And Maybe I'll post it in the uh, Facebooks and Instagrams. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Well, that would be a lovely touch. Yeah. Did you write a note to yourself to remember to do that? To who? Did you write a memo to someone to have that happen? <laughs> Just fax it. Just fax it over. The social I, media team will take care of it. Do you hear that, Jason? <laughs> That's me doing uh, YYZ in um, Morse code. But if we if if we ever update the paperboy, it should be with that fax code. That's what it should get updated with if the day ever comes. We'll see. We may have to retire him one of these days. I think we'll He's getting up there. He's getting up there in years. 
He has been a paper boy for 80 years. He was a paper boy back when Prohibition was still on. That's he. Right. He, he predated right. the current laws as they pertain to the U.S. three-tiered system. <laughs> he actually co-wrote some of them. That's the really frustrating part. <laughs> That little shit really set us up for failure in in Pennsylvania and Virginia. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And so what I think we should do is, no, listen, a bar or restaurant cannot buy that bottle from a distributor. They have to buy from a shop. That that was the paper boys idea. Take it way down. Yeah, way down the line. More tears. That was it. More tears. Let's create a trail of tears. Oh, so so listen to to the listeners out there. If you wanted to write us in, and, and we hope you do, you could reach out to us questions at one nation under There is of course never an E in whiskey when you want to reach out to us, so that's whiskey without the E. You could also email us info at singlecasknation.com. And oh, and you know the other thing is, and, and I mentioned this in a previous episode. The best way for people to find us, besides word of mouth, please do let people know. If you enjoy the podcast and you have other friends who like whiskey and the occasional dick joke, please let them know about this. But also go to Apple Podcasts. Please. And and give us a review. Give us, give us some stars. We would love five stars. On top of that, we would love for you to write a comment. And then we'll read it here. Uh, we've actually, since the last time we mentioned this, we'd we'd received a couple more stars, but no new comments. So we can't mm. we can't honor those that have given us those stars, Jason. Well, I'm I'm honored to have received more stars. That that makes me very happy. It was five people submitting one star each. So thank you, <laughs> thank you sincerely to the five of you for clubbing together. Um, can I ask you a question that may or may not stay in the podcast? No. <laughs> yes, you may. <laughs> you sent me a text yesterday mm-hmm. with a YouTube link. Mm. Oh, there was a it was a face no, okay. I received an email a telegram from Dear Jason <laughs> from <stop>. Facebook. <laughs> right? That's how people interact with Facebook, right? You just get emails from them and they tell you things. Yeah, I get Where it. you had I, tagged yeah. me yeah. in a Facebook post. Ah, yes. And that Facebook post had a link on it to YouTube and I clicked on it and it said, do you trust this link? And I thought, well, it came from Joshua. I don't Uh think it's that spammy. Uh And it was six seconds of Doc Brown saying, they found me. I don't know how they found me. But but they found me. Let's get out of of here. Right. Run for it, Marty. Yeah. And so he never said, Marty, let's get out of here. (laughs) Marty, let's. Let's let's have a quorum, and let's decide our next maneuver. I don't know which movie you've been watching, Joshua, but that's my version of. Oh, Back and to then Future. he was like, "Can you call in my dog <laughs> to take minutes for this meeting?" Yeah. Yes. Could you fax directions Einstein. to our future destination? <laughs> um, so I got six seconds of Doc Brown, and that was it. What? the hell was the context for (laughs) what the hell you were tagging me in and us being found. Oh, Jason, I really wish you were on the social medias because (laughs) I've said this over and over again. 
if 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 it were not for this, if it were not for the single cast nation Facebook member page, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a good chance I would be off social media because I I, mm-hmm. I hate it. I just I really dis I really dislike it. There was a time when I it was almost a fetish. Like I just I had to do it. Oh. I had to get on there. And then I'd You're get the a gimp outfit, and then it'd be all rusty trombones, <laughs> and then like you know. And you're saying this was Facebook, <laughs> yeah. So it was a fa- oh Facebook, and so anyway, um, this, and then it became Meta, and everything changed. <laughs> so this this was actually a post that Dan Grison, who you mentioned at the top of the uh, ah, podcast, indeed, here, indeed, he posted in in our Facebook group, and and the picture. <laughs> Maybe I should post this picture too, but um, the picture is of like one of those lawn signs, you know, like during election uh-huh. cycles. There's the lawn yeah. signs, yeah. so it's one of those like rectangular lawn signs, and it just said J and J house washing gutter cleaning, <laughs> and <laughs> and Dan Grison said, "Wow, I know casks are getting expensive." <laughs> But never thought the boys would have to start a side hustle to pay for them. Is there anything Joshua and Jason won't do for the nation? <laughs> yep. If you've if you've got gutters that need cleaning, just email us. One nation under gutters. <laughs> That's where our minds usually usually are. But <laughs> right. <laughs> but but. Uh, but yeah, so I was looking for you know I love my my gifts, my animated gifts, um, and I was and your gimps and my gimps, um, Zed Stead baby, and but they didn't have a gift that had Doc Brown saying they found me. I don't know how they found me, but they found me. Run for it, Marty. They had every other one but that, so I had to post a YouTube video. I'm still laughing over the fact that you just said Zev's <laughs> Zed's yeah. dead baby. Without putting the comma in it. And so I was like, why is he talking about Zed's dead baby? Like, this is, wow, this just took a turn. But it's, yes, Zed's dead, comma, baby. Zed's dead. Because of the gimp. Right? There's the there's your connection <laughs> to the gimp. Every Quentin Tarantino fan. No, I know why oh, you're okay. saying it, right, but it was okay. just Zed's dead baby. Like, I didn't know what Zed's dead baby had to do with it. Right? Oh. Zed had a baby that oh, was dead. Got it, got it. Right? This is a eat right? shoots and leaves situation. Here. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. It was just it was just missing the calm <laughs> the way you said it. Zed's dead baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that became real gross. Oh, real gross. Right. All right. That's why I wondered what yeah. you were going for. And I was yeah, like, oh no, that. pulp fiction. Okay, I'm back with them again. I got this. Under control. Okay, so so this is perfect, right? We have made jokes about accidentally creating Facebook groups for for members to go hang out in. We've talked about recording emails as PDFs and saving them to desktops. Today we have now put Facebook context mm-hmm. through a YouTube link on a podcast. Oh, oh I, I really do need somebody to fax me some directions. I think that'll <laughs> really seal the deal. I, it, you know, oddly it works. Like as old man as all of this is, it oddly works. And I think it works because like all the social media platforms are like, yeah, the old guys, they'll get it. This is the only way it could work. 
Anyway, listen, mate. You and I have got some gutters to go clean, so we need to wrap this up. All right. Well, on on that note, Jason, um, huge. (laughs) What else do we do? Gutters and what? That was the long side. Gutters and oh, oh, it was uh, it was house cleaning. Oh no, 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 here we go. It's house washing and gutter cleaning. Okay, there we go. Well, we got some gutters to clean and some houses to wash. So, you say our thanks, and we'll get ourselves out of here. Huge thanks, of course, to to Holly Sidewan for joining us again on the podcast. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and for Anthony joining us for the first time, it was it was really well. really lovely. You, you know, I'm I'm going to share a regret. Ready for a regret? Oh. oh boy, you regret not living in New York City so you could see them both. I do not regret not living in New York City. I celebrate the fact that I don't live in New York City. Um, Smooth. Well, I'm going to echo something Holly had said that was said before we started recording and she said i really miss you guys how are you right and we didn't even get a chance to like you know we had a short period of time to record and we didn't really get a chance to just catch up we just went sort of straight into the conversation and and i missed just hanging with holly the few times that we did you know and she's she's just lovely and I get to see Anthony much more than I do Holly, but it'd be nice for the four of us to get together in person for a dram or six. Oh, I I agreed. And I I think it's one of those things, if we'd started the catch-up, three hours later, we still wouldn't have started the recording. Correct. And so, like, there's so much to catch up on. and So excited for for her and her her new store with Charles. Excited for Anthony adding on the gig with Bacardi Brands Mm -hmm. to what he's doing in New York City. But just brilliant people, yeah. Yeah. Our email from Craig Wadsworth that continued the the ice cream man saga Mm -hmm. was just beautiful as well. And, of course, our old friend James Foster, who I will see two days after this episode drops, and I will ask to see his rusty artichoke. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, Jason. Cheers, listeners. (laughs) 